if you don't have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. I want Brother Steve to give you one. Uh, and I'd like for you to take it and, and fold it when you're finished with it and put it in your Bible or keep it because this is a series that we're going to be on for quite a while. And I would encourage you to, if you would, to save these series and uh, uh, to save these papers because not last Sunday because we had the guests last Sunday, but Sunday before last we began this uh, series by talking about cultivating relationships, cultivating relationships. And what we're doing, we're talking about relationships and their value, how valuable the relationships are. And, and most of you know that Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And in, in just a little few words, he gave us what the greatest commandments are. Number one is to love God. And number two is to love people. Wow, isn't that simple? That's so great. In other words, relationship, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, our relationship within marriage, uh, our relationship with church. Uh, I, I just think that in these last days that we really, 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 capital R, really do need a relationship with the church. It is so vitally important. One of the best times to come is on Friday night. Now, I don't feel like coming every Friday night. I'll be real honest with you. The flesh, you know, the, the, Jesus said the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And, and sometimes I don't feel like coming on uh, Friday night. But it is, the, it, it is the highlight, the highlight of the week. They're just such a, you're talking about the presence of the Lord. And uh, Brother Dan, he's taken it, and Sister Carol, they've taken it to a, 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 a sort of a, another level. And it's very, very, very inviting. And uh, we come and pray together, and you can and play songs and minister together, and it's just a wonderful time. And I cannot stress how important, because I believe uh, today that we are living in a day of social Isolation. Oh, I know I can talk to Moses Chowdhury over in Vijayawada, India. In fact, I could see him. I got to go on, what, is it, what, what you call that? Spike, whatever. I don't know. But I can see him. I mean, I can connect with just about anybody in the world, around the world. Isn't that something? And you've got your phones and your all kind of of. of, of equipment that you can be able to connect, but we're living in a, a sad time when it comes to uh, connection. Uh, I told you about the Taco Bell eating there, and my wife and I, or no, I was eating by myself, and, and there was this father and his two sons were sitting there. All three of them were on their phones. They didn't, they didn't even know the other ones in the world. And, and that's where we are. You ever watch people on their phones? People text while they're driving. That's murder. That's terrible. Can I get one amen? amen? Don't text and drive. You're going to kill me. Don't do that. 
But you ever watch people, they'll be texting and fall in a hole. They, you know, they have these funny videos how they text and fall in a hole. Or, or run into a wall or bump into someone. They're in their own world. People are in their own world today. But God wants us to have a relationship. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is, is our relationship with God. And we're going to take our text from Genesis chapter 3. I want to tell you something about this chapter. It is one of the greatest chapters, Genesis 3, in the entire Bible. If you took every verse or every chapter in the Bible, Old and New Testament, away, and give me, give me chapter 3 of Genesis. It tells all about the plan of salvation. It is a great, great chapter. It's, it's the chapter that speaks of the fall of man and how sin came into, how sin came into the world. And relationships, relationships. I told you about how that a pride of lines, how that they like to isolate their prey. And they'll maneuver themselves around and they, they are, they have trained from, from birth these younger lions and how that they will take even the largest animal. If they can get that animal isolated from the herd, they've got him. It's all over. And if the devil can get us isolated, and one of the sad things that I've seen about people is they'll go to a, through a time of oppression, a time of depression, or a time of, of trial, real test and trial. And one of the first things they do, sadly, is they'll isolate themselves. They start staying home from church. Sometimes they'll pull the blinds and go to bed and just stay there. Listen, one of the worst things you can do is isolate yourself because then you are a target for the devil. It's wonderful to get together. Of course, I love people. I love, I'm a people person. And maybe others are not people persons, and it's a harder thing to do to, to really fellowship. But I would just encourage you to realize that. Uh, we looked last week, uh, not last week, but uh, we for last on the need for relationship and developing a deep relationship. How important it is to develop deep relationships and commit to authenticity. Now, if you have a mask on today, take it off. I'm just going to encourage you get it off. If you're hiding behind some, behind some facade or you're hiding behind a mask today, just take it, put it off, and say, "I'm going to be real today." Now, that would scare some people to death. It might scare the person you're talking to to death, too. But listen, and I'm not talking about being crude or, or ugly. I'm just talking about all of us really being real. Let's just be real. It's comfortable to me to be real. Okay, let's, let's get into the day reading, if you will, with me from Genesis chapter 3. Now I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. Now, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit 
of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, God didn't say that. She added something to it. Satan took something away from it. Do you know the first two questions in the Bible are found in, in, in Genesis 3? The first one was asked by the devil, hath God said? The second question in the Bible was asked by God, where art thou? So it's important that we read this chapter. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not die. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. You ever seen a fig leaf? You ever? The texture of a fig leaf is rough. Can you imagine trying to wear an apron of fig leaves? But that's what people do when they try in the flesh and in themselves to cover their sins. It's rough. It's ugly. It hurts. It won't work. God has a remedy for that. Amen. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the what? presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten? Now God's asking these questions, but he's not asking these questions for information. He knows all about it. He's he's asking him to open his understanding. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman. (laughs) That woman you gave me. (laughs) Don't we like to blame our, our wrong and our sins on somebody else? We like to do that. The woman you have gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent. The man says, the woman, the woman says, the serpent is the one. Deceive me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field, on your belly you will you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now, verse 15, powerful. The first, love this, mention of the gospel. Verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Father, this is powerful. Thank you for your word. Speak, Lord, your word to our hearts. And as the seed falls, Lord, into 
the flesh or the, the hearts, we ask you, God, that they would bring forth much fruit. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. The third chapter, notice the introduction of Genesis, is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. It tells how sin entered the human family. It offers an explanation for tragedy, suffering, war, and general evil in the world. Take Genesis 3 out of the Bible and you have no explanation for the presence of sin. God created us to have unbroken communion with him. Chapter 3 and that verse 8, we read that. But we have all departed from that design. The Bible calls this sin. Sin came to man from without, not from man's original nature. I wanted to put that in there because it's so important. God told Adam and Eve that they... That when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would die. The moment they sinned, they began to die physically. And then they really died spiritually. You say, well, they didn't die. They did die. They died spiritually. They no longer had that relationship that we've been talking about with God. They no longer were comfortable in the presence of God. They both knew they were naked. And so they tried to remedy that. But they failed miserably. Notice, if you will, the awakening sin. The eyes of them were open and they made themselves aprons. And I told you how rough the texture was. Like sandpaper. Like making an apron of sandpaper. A man still today tries to cover his sins through his own ability and through his own way. And that's the reason their life is miserable. That's the reason they're uncomfortable. And that's the reason we certainly need God to undertake. Because every effort man uses to try to cover his sins is certainly A vain attempt. It won't work. You can go to the church all you want to. Pay all the money you want to. Do all the sacrifice you want to. It won't work. As I said, it is vain. One of the things that I don't understand people. Instead of trying to remedy the, the, the sin problem. Why don't we just confess our sins? 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of almost all of our sins. Oh, he didn't say that? I'm sorry. No, he said to forgive us of all of our sins. And to cleanse us from all. Isn't that wonderful? I can close the Bible now and we can go home. That's, that verse just does it for me. It's so wonderful to know. And we don't have to try to use fig leaves. We don't have to try to work ourselves into heaven. All we need to do is confess to the Lord with a, with a sincere heart, repent of our sins, and we're forgiven of all of those, those sins. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. Brother Marsh, good to have you back. That'll preach. (laughs) 
He says that a lot. He says, I love it too. And not only awaken to sin, but aware of guilt. Sin never allows us to be comfortable around God. And a lot of times people aren't comfortable in church when the Spirit of God begins to move. I mean, they're not. But they were aware of of, of their sin. They heard the sound of God walking and they hid themselves from the presence of God. In this one statement, Moses Speaking of Adam, speaks concerning, it's a short statement, sums up the condition of all sinful man before a righteous God. And that's the reason they don't want the Ten Commandments in the public arena. And that's the reason they don't want you praying to a God that's alive. If he was dead in some board somewhere or some statue somewhere, they wouldn't care. But they know something happens. And they they feel uncomfortable. They don't want anything to do with it. A lot of people don't feel comfortable in the presence of God. You remember Peter? You remember when he came in on the boat and Jesus was there? What did Peter do? He jumped in the water. It wasn't because he was naked. He was not naked. He had a tunic on. I think it was some kind of. It wasn't. He was. He was. He had disobeyed God. He was disobedient to the Lord. He said, "I can't take this," and he just jumps in the water. Jonah, because of his disobedience to God, he took off what the Tarshish. God said, go this way. He went that way, trying to hide from the presence of the, of the Lord. You can't hide from God. He's like the holy hound of heaven. And he'll follow you. He'll be after you. Thank God for it. And that's the reason he said, well, I don't know why people don't want to be around me. Well, if you live the life, and I'm not talking about turning people off because we're so righteous. I'm not talking about that. A lot of times people just very, very uncomfortable in the presence of the Lord. But here's what I love. The wooing of God. God calling. God, the Lord called unto Adam, where art thou? This was not a God, not a capital G, but a small G. This was not a God that needed information. He knew where he knew the very tree Adam was hiding behind. God wants to awaken our conscience. God wanted to awaken his he wanted to realize Adam to realize what he had done. Adam, where art thou? It was God who came to restore Adam. Adam disobeyed God. He did exactly what God told him not to do. And yet it was God that came seeking Adam. It was not Adam that came seeking God. God wanted to... Right then, God had a plan, made a way, because all mankind fell. Sin came into this world, introduced 
to this world because of an act of sin. But the second Adam, which was none other than Jesus Christ, he came to redeem man back. Aren't you glad for that? Wonderful. A plan. Notice God's remedy. God's remedy. Well, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin. This is the NIV mark. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. What do you think had to happen before that skin, before he had that skin? There was an animal that had to die. Isn't God's plan of salvation just absolutely wonderful? Way back then, thousands of years ago, God said those fig leaves ain't going to work. God says your righteousness is not going to work. God says all you're trying to do is not going to work. I got a, I got a covering for you. But now we know the real covering. Amen? We know the real covering. A plan for recovery of man's lost state. Let me read verses 14, 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Then he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. You notice the small s seed And you notice the capital S seed? You notice that? The woman's seed is uh, none other than Jesus Christ. Because that's where he came from. The other seed, of course, is of the flesh. Of the flesh. And between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, we know when Satan bruised Jesus' heel was at Calvary. Of course, he thought he had bruised his head, but not so. He thought he had done away with him permanently. Not so. This is where Satan bruised Jesus' head. But where did Jesus uh, heal, I'm sorry. Where did Jesus bruise Satan's head? This is also was at Calvary. When Jesus died on the cross, notice, I, I love Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace, Romans 16, 20, Mark. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. If, if you study the 16th chapter of the book of Romans, I mean, he, God, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Rome and he's going through all, so much of instructions and everything. And then all of a sudden in this verse 20, he says the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Crush Satan under you. In other words, this means present victories over the power of darkness and the ultimate victory 
ultimate destruction. I don't know that the church understands this like we ought to. Because not only is the Apostle Paul talking about Satan's head being crushed by Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. He is talking to the church here, the church at Rome, which is ultimately talking to us that you and I, every day of our life, we can, we can stomp on the devil's head. We can crush him. We can defeat him. We can defeat darkness. We can defeat all the powers of hell. It does. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about an everyday victorious walk before God. I love that verse. Romans 16 and 20. Read it again with me. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And then he talks about how that he wants the grace of God. Listen, it means to trample upon that word crush. I love these words. It means to break in pieces. What are you going to do to the devil today? Well, we're going to trample on him. What are you going to do to the devil today? We're going to break him to pieces. Shatter him, bruise him, grind him down. You ever felt like grinding? That's what he's saying right there. You take the authority God's given you and you can grind him down and defeat the devil in your life. Sometimes it's an instantaneous work. Sometimes the devil just seems to try to hold on and you pray and you pray and sometimes you fast and you believe God and every day you grind him. Every day you grind him. And every day, you know when you grind him, you get little pieces off. Every day you grind him and, and you finally grind him to where you say, and that old dust is gone. That's what God wants you to do. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to take our heel and say, you lying, stinking devil. You are a defeated foe. That's what that verse means. And God takes it from, he takes it from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The where Satan has Jesus Christ crucified through evil men. The third day he rises again and watch out devil head because it's, it's going to be crushed. And then all of these years the trust has been empowered to grind, to, to shatter, to bruise the head of Satan. Not let him destroy you. When he comes against your family, you can say, time out devil. God's given me power over you. You're going to be a defeated foe. Go to God in prayer. Go to God in warfare prayer. Go to God in warfare, faith, and believe in God. And said, Satan, you are a liar. Pastor, you believe all that stuff? Mm Mm-hmm. Just as sure as the word of God is true, God is telling the church today, it's time for the church to stand up and defeat the enemy of the church, which is the devil. God said he built his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Will not overcome it. Praise God. I love this. Plan for recovery. The death of Christ restored the harmony and fellowship that once existed between God and his creation. Follow me. As Paul writes to the church. At Colossae, in Colossians chapter 1. Look, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, who Jesus Christ. 
and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, and by making peace through His... Why can we go boldly before the throne of grace? Why can we stand in the very presence of Almighty God without any condemnation? Because we've been made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not hiding behind a tree somewhere. We're not crying out and saying, Oh God, please stay away from me. Or I don't want to have anything to do with you. We're trying to nudge up to Him as close as we can. And His grace, talking about God's grace, it just flows and flows and flows. Mark Lowry said the other day, God spreads His grace like a four-year-old spreads peanut butter. And I believe that God is spreading His grace and love and kindness. And it's time for the church to live that victorious life. Hallelujah. Notice again. Once you were alienated from God. And were enemies in your minds. Because of your evil behavior. But. Say but. But. Hallelujah. Now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. Through death to present you holy in his sight. Without blemish and free from accusation. If I was 30 years old, I'd dance me a spell right now. Hallelujah. That, isn't that powerful? Oh. I'm tired. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of preaching. That's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff. Good stuff. Wonderful. It just does something for me. Hallelujah. And the devil wants to accuse you, put you down, make you feel bad, put you under a, 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 a spirit of oppression and depression and make you feel like you're nothing, you can't do anything, you're a nobody, but God's elevated, elevated us. Woo! Hallelujah. He elevated us. He lifted us up. He said, come here to me. He put his arms around us and drew us to him and said, I love you. He kissed me and said, Don, I love you. Hallelujah. They don't want you to know that. He don't want you to know that. He wants you to stay in your own little world. He wants you to keep texting. He wants you to keep watching television. He wants you to keep criticizing and finding fault and grumbling. He wants you to go through all of this stuff. And God says, come here to me. Come here to me. Come here to me. That's what God wants us to do. Brother Matt, I believe that's what the Lord is saying. In this song that you're going to come and start for us right now. I believe that's what God wants. Come here to me. I just felt his presence. I just heard his voice. I just heard his voice speak to somebody and say, come here to me. Don't drift away from me. Don't pull away from me. How do I come to the Lord? What can I do to come to Jesus Christ? How can I prepare my heart for the Lord? 
Acts tells us in Acts 3.19 by repenting. I love this verse. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of You know why the devil wants to keep you from entering into that manifested presence? You know why he wants to keep you away from really getting close to God? It's because he does not want the church to find that refreshing. That refreshing that comes in the very presence of God. He don't want you to have that. He don't want you to have that. How do, I, how do I do it? By repenting. Number two, I do it by thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. By praise. Enter into his courts. You repent. You begin to be thankful. Stop criticizing. Stop finding fault. Be thankful. Be, tell somebody you love them and, and you're thankful. Tell God, Lord, I'm thankful. Praise. Allow the Lord to speak to you in praise. And then worship. Listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. Let the Lord put his arms around you. Start off real quiet, real, real, real sort of low. I just want to be where you are. In just a moment, we're going to come to the altar. Stand around the altar. I'm going to challenge you. We have plenty of time. Let me ask you, what tree are you hiding behind? I list some things here and I was going to get to them week before last and didn't do it. I was going to get to them today and I didn't do it. Notice what the results of broken relations. Shame. Are you going through a time of shame? Guilt? Hiding? Have you been hiding? Blame? Do you blame someone else for where you are? Excuses? Well, it's this, it's that, it's the other. I don't feel good. I don't, you know. Victimization. Are you a victim of circumstances? We were talking about circumstances. What we were talking about. Self-justification. I'm justified in feeling the way I feel. They hurt me. I can't forgive them. Listen, stop trying to justify yourself. No matter what someone's done to you, no matter where you are, stop, stop being a victim. We all could use that excuse in some, at some time, I guess. But here, listen, listen at the ones that, that we're talking about a relationship with God that creates an, a, a healthy relationship, intimacy. How long has it been since in God's word it spoke to you mightily? How long has it been since you've been in prayer and you, rather than just saying a prayer, you just say, oh God. How long has it been since you've 
prayed until tears began to flow. Openness. God, I want to be open to you today. I'm tired of hiding. Acceptance. God accepts you. You say, but I've been too bad. I've been too mean. Let me tell you, God accepts you just like you are. Stop trying to put yourself on a guilt trip and say, Lord, I throw myself on the altar of repentance today. Authenticity. Be honest. Just be honest with God. He knows anyway. You'll experience peace and you experience holiness. Come as we sing it again, Brother Matt. Everyone come as we sing it again. Come on. I just want to be with you. Father, you know the needs in this place today. We, we agree with every, every person standing, every person sitting, every person that they're calling out to you. God, draw us all closer to you and touch our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you find a seat for just a moment? Uh, I, I've got something I want to do, and I've just brought this on Brother Morris real quick, and he did not come prepared, but find out Brother Morris, he's always prepared for something. And... Uh, but there's a precious brother in our church that recently died, Wayne Atkins. Wayne Atkins. And uh, just a precious man. And I don't know, Brother Morris, you can talk about him in your Sunday school class or whatever. But Joyce and Wayne sat on that front row for 20-some years. And they were faithful. And that man, Wayne Atkins... And I feel like he never got honored here in this church like he should have been. And so we're going to take just a few minutes. Brother Morris was his Sunday. You know how many years you were his Sunday school teacher? Anyway, talk about Brother Wayne, if you will, Brother Morris. You know, I'm not, I'm not very good of uh, talking, you know, about some things. And it was one thing that I was not good uh, about. I can say nothing but something good. Every time the teacher would come in, I'd say, how are you, brother? I'm fine. I'm fine every day. And that told me something, and I thought he was just talking. But I'll tell you what, I could look next Sunday, wouldn't be the, it'd be the same thing. How are you today? I'm fine. I'll tell you right now, he had a mind, a mindset. You know, sometimes we have to set our own mind in what our heart's telling us to do. And I cannot say nothing today but something good. And he had in his mind, we're going to church. I'll be in that class. You know, now that, that's what we all ought to do. Set in our mind. You say, wait a minute, what kind of a mind have you got? Well, if you're transferred 
and I, I, I don't mean to preach now, but now if we are on the side that Jesus, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we are on the winning side. Yeah. There is nothing but nothing can stop us. Because we're on the winning side. Our lesson today was being recon- reconciliation. My God, I'm over on the side. I'm on the winning side. Amen. Nothing can stop us. And he, he just went right on and, and years passed. And I think to myself, well, uh, uh, yes. But then things happen. The enemy tries to stop us. And, but he cannot stop us if we are anchored in Jesus Christ and going to up the narrow highway, nothing can stop us. So I have to leave, you know. And that bothers me. I love you people here at this church. I've been loving this man a long time. And I was loving that man a long time. Then the last time I talked to him, he still had the victory right on. And you know, we, we don't have to give up. Under all circumstances, God will make a way for us. Every time. This man here, he loves God. Brother Morris loves God. He's been ministering in this, in this church for almost 60 years. And uh, don't you appreciate that kind of faithfulness, huh? Don't you appreciate that kind of faithfulness? And Joyce, thank you and Wayne for all you did for this church and your faithfulness, your giving. They prayed. They, listen, they, there's no telling how many prayers, Brother Johnny, that this... These people have, have, have said, you know, pray for this church.